Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. Before we dive into today's content, I'd like to talk a little bit about PeaceWorks University. Uh, most of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while know that PeaceWorks University is our online membership site for people helpers and individuals, pastors, biblical counselors, uh, etc., that want to learn more about gospel-centered responses to domestic abuse. Uh, PeaceWorks University is, uh, as I said, a membership site that contains over a hundred hours of video-based content, ebooks, uh, infographics, uh, the online community where you can interact with other members, monthly Facebook Live uh, Q&A in our private group, as well as master classes with experts in the field, and so much more. It's one of the most robust resources on this topic. Uh, out there today. We'd love you to consider being part of PeaceWorks University. You can find out more at chrismoles.org. Just click on the coaching tab or head up to the login tab uh, and you'll learn more about the current prices for PeaceWorks University. All right, let's dive into today's content. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about a concept that is uh, very special to me. It's something that, that has comforted me over the years. Uh, And that's the understanding or the idea of what we call dropping the sword and embracing the mind of Christ. When you are involved, uh, as we are in nonviolence education, and that's kind of one of the one of the terminologies, one of the terms that we'll use. Obviously, we're in the we're in the business of disciple making and transformation. But when you're talking with abusive individuals, about the choices that they're making, or you're interacting with victims about the ways in which they've been sinned against, one of the things that you're doing is you're introducing nonviolence education. And I'm very, um, uh, very committed to this as a Christian. And I know there are some believers who theologically, doctrinally, they're going to differ quite a bit on how far I take this, and so I don't want to get into a theological debate today, but I will say on the outset that uh, myself, Pastor Chris, believes that Christians are called to remain nonviolent, and that that is really a mindset and an attitude, a philosophy, not merely behavior. In fact, there is a difference, and I, I talk about this in Men of Peace groups, there is a distinction between not using violence and being nonviolent. One is the absence of physical force and coercion, while the other is the presence of peace. Uh, when we talk about the idea of being aggressive or being passive, we're going to suggest that the middle ground is the way of peace where an individual considers others more important than themselves, they choose to interact with others in a way that is not coercive, not threatening. And I believe that's a very biblical, Jesus-centered approach to relationships. One of the things that I have come to, to realize in my work uh, with abusive individuals is that all abusers are prideful. 
while not all prideful people are abusive, at the heart of abuse lies a heart, a sense, a uh, level of entitlement, of selfishness, of self-centeredness, of the world revolves around me. It's a very difficult thing to break, and it's something that's common to all of humanity. Everybody struggles with this reality. But within the abuser, the oppressor, within the abusive heart, pride's roots have grown so deep and so intertwined that it must be broken up. They must be uprooted in order to achieve any long-term success at change or transformation. And the, the violent heart is one that is prideful. I usually contrast the the prideful violent heart with Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is a, a passage that describes uh, in part in this one small section verses I think 3 through 11 uh, really highlights the mindset of Jesus and so I like to contrast after gathering data and information and dialogue contrast what we know of the abuser what we know of their behavior, what we know of their motives, what we know of their heart, their values, what we know of the impact of their choices. And I like to contrast that with the person of Jesus. In Philippians 2, uh, Paul gives this sing-songy passage about Jesus saying, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, and here's the descriptor, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. When I talk about dropping the sword and embracing the mind of Christ, I'm really appealing to individuals to cease using force, coercion, and power uh, as a means of controlling other people and to really see that the, the mind of Christ, humility, servanthood, not only is a more effective way of relating, it is the only way in which a Christian should properly relate to others. Let's just walk through the passage just briefly today. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's quite an imperative and one that's hard to follow. But you can see that when in addressing the heart of violence, it's essential that we understand what the person in front of us wants and why they believe they deserve it. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. What is it that you want? James 4, right? We do what we do because we want what we want. And why is it that you believe you deserve it? What we're seeking to understand or uncover 
is this individual's beliefs about things like entitlement. What are you entitled to? We find this a great deal in spiritual abuse, for instance, where an individual feels entitled, let's say, as a husband or as a parent, and that entitlement to be respected, to be obeyed, to be loved, leads them to do destructive and harmful things. We want to know what they believe about position. Uh, what is your understanding of leadership, headship, uh, aspects of authority? And really contrast that with the work and, and the words regarding Jesus that we're going to see and have seen in Philippians 2. What's your understanding of power? Um, how one achieves it, how one uses it, um, how one views it. And then also justice. How do you view justice? Who is the judge? Who uh, makes things right? How do we determine what's right and what's wrong? Paul says to do nothing out of selfish amb ambition or vain conceit. And he says then rather, so instead, in humility. So rather than live this way, in humility, value others above yourself not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. Paul is stating that pride here, um, or I should say that humility is to pride what life is to death. A, a man who values his wife, for instance, above himself will certainly not abuse her. When an individual has crossed the line to using force, coercion, threat, intimidation, isolation to achieve his ends, then he is not loving his partner. This may require, as we're talking about building humility, a reworking of the beliefs that are commonly held by prideful people. Sometimes these beliefs will manifest themselves in little statements like, nice guys finish last. You know, I can't be kind. I can't be considerate. I'll get taken advantage of. Uh, weak men are not respected. And you see that in individuals who um, want respect, but they settle for fear. Uh, if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't watch out for number one, others will take advantage of you. Others will walk all over you. These types of statements, self-talk, uh, self-declarations are lies that lead to self-deception. Rather, rather than the vain conceit and the arrogance of pride and violence, Paul is calling his readers to live in humility. He goes on to say, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So have the mind of Christ. Paul does not simply give us this command to be humble. He doesn't say, now stop being prideful, start being humble. But instead, he gives us a course or a directive in humility. It's encompassed within this theological framework that we're going to call the mind of Christ. So as you consider the heart of violence, it's imperative. This comes to the put-offs and the put-ons. We put off the heart of violence. We drop the sword. We give up the right to punish, to demean, to destroy. We put that entitlement aside and we embrace the mind of Christ, who had every right to use force and chose instead to love. Paul goes on to say, who, describing Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. The mind of Christ does not operate from a position of entitlement. Okay, Even though Jesus was 
entitled. He had claims. He had the right, quote-unquote. He operated differently. Rather, Paul says, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Instead, the mind of Christ sets aside power to serve other people. Paul continues, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by coming, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The mind of Christ has a willingness to sacrifice and even suffer for others. So just a, a brief reading of the passage, the mind of Christ does not operate from a position of entitlement. Instead, the mind of Christ sets aside power to serve with a willingness to sacrifice and even suffer for others. We should therefore, as we're interacting with abusive individuals, individuals who've used power to control, who have used intimidation, isolation, coercion, threats, economic abuse, emotional abuse, we should expect to see changes if they embrace the mind of Christ. We should expect to see changes in how they relate first to God. That's important because prior to their uh, dropping the sword and embracing the cross, as it were, who was God? Most of the time in their relationships, they were God. They were the authority. They were the judge. They were the standard. But this new man must now see God as above uh, them, as beyond them, as the authority over them, as uh, worthy to be worshipped. Um, and instead of in opposition to God, living in unity with him. We should also expect to see changes in how men, uh, how this individual relates to others. Do they love others more or do they use others more? See, prior to this encounter with the mind of Christ, the, the heart of violence, the way of the sword, is to use others, to coerce others, to force others, to threaten others. This new man, this new change, should instead love others, serve others, help others, be concerned for others. And then lastly, how does this individual relate to themselves? Again, they were once God, but now are they humble? Are they um, deferring? Are they submissive? Are they gentle? Are they meek? Are they other-centered? Um, other, understanding oneself, <clears throat> relating well to others, relating to God, will be some of the, the tests and the hallmark of whether an individual has truly dropped the sword and embraced the mind of Christ. So this is just in the brief, this is kind of a, a theological framework that I use with men that I work with. It's also a common discussion that I've had with some victims over the years, just understanding what are some things that we're looking for when we're appealing or we're calling for transformation. I think one of the big misses, one of the, the big swing and a miss when it comes to church-based responses has been uh, we focus on the outcomes. Right, So when we're trying to determine if somebody is safe, we're asking the question, have they stopped doing the bad things and have they started doing the good things? So let's go back to my drop the sword analogy and some of the theological waters that, that I swim in. To me, it's akin to you still 
possess the sword. You still have the ability to swing the sword. Um, but now you're only cutting people in places that are less visible. You're not um, killing people. You're only mutilating them. It's as if, if we can make the sword kinder, then it's no longer abusive. And I think that's a problem. I think that's what behavior modification does. It says, hey, stop being so overtly destructive and now be more covertly destructive. And I believe what Jesus is calling us to, very similar to you know, Peter dropping the sword in the garden, is for us to abandon this notion of power and control, to put aside the heart of violence that says, you know, through my acts of coercion, I can achieve good ends, but instead to pursue the mind of Christ, to uh, pursue a path of humility, to put off the pride of entitlement, and to put on this heart and mind of service and sacrifice. Well, I hope that was helpful. I'm, we could talk about this for a long time and kind of try to nuance it, but I think uh, that's what I wanted to communicate today. Philippians 2 can be a powerful passage, uh, but it comes from a theological framework of what is the mind of Christ and how does it affect and contrast with that heart of violence. I hope you found today's episode helpful. And again, if you uh, would like more resources, more opportunity, more interaction, be sure to check us out at chrismoles.org. Also, you can find us on social media, uh, both Twitter at PeaceworksCM and um, Facebook uh, on our PeaceWorks page. I would highly recommend heading over to the Facebook page. We have a lot of resources popping up there including uh, every other week we do an what we call Open Door at 4 on Thursdays where I answer questions. So we'd love to connect with you um, to help you in any way that we can. So be sure to check out the website, head over and like us on Facebook. And until the next time, God bless. <music>